going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Really excited to be here with you guys. Got an interesting show today. Got an interview, as you can probably tell by the um, the show notes. Got a very interesting interview with a young man. Um, named Joseph and he's from baseball card underscore JS that's his Twitter name and I'll have a link to that and his eBay store if you want to check because we talk about his eBay he does uh, um, quite a bit of uh, buying and selling and like bidding on cards Um, we talks about um, kind of budgeting and sticking to a kind of a plan and a certain price that uh, he's trying to pay and I I really respect that and that's a I think a great tip I think um, you know we're all gonna learn if you if you're into like buying cards a lot um, it, it doesn't matter if you're trying to sell them or whatever you know getting the most for your dollar is something that I think I've often talked about on this show but it just gets really reinforced by a collector and a fan of of uh, particularly baseball. We talk a lot about baseball, talk about um, getting autographs um, in person. We just talk a lot about a a lot of stuff with Joseph. And I think it's um, a very entertaining interview. I certainly enjoyed it um, and uh, enjoyed being a part of it uh, myself. So you have that to look forward to. I don't have, I actually have an interesting segment here right in the beginning. I'm going to do a buy, sell, hold really quickly. I meant to do that. I planned this show before the NFL draft and I kind of wanted to do this before the NFL draft. And some of my data here is actually before the NFL draft. But as you know, that has happened and it was I thought it was a very entertaining draft and thought it was pretty cool to watch um I was on my honeymoon so you can imagine how that went over uh with my wife the fact that I was on my honeymoon and I was uh you know doing uh pacing around the room as the Bengals were getting ready to pick each day so uh not the last day I don't think I watched or heard the last day but I watched the first and second round pretty much but anyways I'm going to do buy, sell, hold on some of these players that I know because uh, for the first time in my life, I watched a decent amount of college football last year, uh, mainly because I wanted to watch football. And if you don't have direct TV and the NFL package, which it costs, which I used to have, it cost an insane amount of money back then. I'm sure it costs a lot of money now, uh, but I don't have that. And so I don't watch a lot of football on Sundays because there's not a lot on, uh, you know, there's like one or two games on. Uh, at a time, maybe. I mean, I always watch the Sunday night game and the Monday night game, and they got a Thursday game now all the time. So I'll watch those, but I want more football. So on Saturday, you can watch a heck of a lot of college football, and that's what I did last year, and I probably will do that. I certainly will be doing that again uh, this year. I'll watch a lot of college football probably. But anyways, I'll do some some buy-sell-hold on uh, some of those guys. Wholesale cards. Talk a bit about that. I got an email from somebody and my brother ended up getting back to him uh, wondering why we put like the wholesale price. I think it was like for Bowman uh, baseball. My brother put that up on our website and the guy was like, oh, take that down, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'll, I'll respond to that is that's a that's a complaint and that's emails. And I've gotten Twitter about that. I've gotten a lot of people saying, why am I putting the wholesale price out there? And I'll tell you why I do that. And uh, while I'll continue to do that uh, whenever I feel like it. And the last one is, I, this is an old story, but I've got to, you know, take my victory lap, I feel like. Um, the Razors got kicked off of Breakers TV, which is not, not like that's a particularly, uh, like, trying to think how I should put this. Uh, getting kicked off a website of that uh, quality is not exactly... Uh, you know, it's probably less than a slap on the wrist, but 
it kind of emphasizes a point that I've been making for a year now, not just with with if you're a breaker or a razor, but particularly people that sell uh, cards or even have a website that you're trying to get people to come to. Um, I'll give my take on that. Let's jump right into buy, sell, hold. If, you know, if you're not familiar, I've done this segment um, at least three or four times, uh, maybe a little more than that over the last couple years that we've been doing this show. Buy, sell, hold. I list off a player and I tell you if I'd buy his cards, if, I'm, if I would sell his cards if I had them, um, or if I'm just kind of holding and waiting and seeing. Um, so we'll go down the list of players and I have values here mainly from leaf metal draft football and a couple and maybe press pass football this was before the draft though so these prices I'll say the prices it'd be I you know I'm lazy um, but I don't want to necessarily go back and see you know some of these guys got drafted by the New York Giants by the Saints um, by some big name teams Chicago Bears um, with some big fans that might be ready to to in, in the Browns got a heck of a player or a heck of a college player um, so I, I'd be interested to see where these values have gone um, with some of these guys. But buy, sell, hold. Let's start it off with Sammy Watkins, wide receiver. Very good player. Um, I saw him play a couple times. I believe he went to Clemson and very, um, very uh, strong and very skilled wide receiver, it seemed like to me. He went to the Buffalo Bills. And, and I'm definitely, I think before this, I was probably selling because his cards were selling 20 to $80, uh, kind of in that range. And again, this is before uh, Panini comes out with a whole lot of autographs. And Tops have come out with autographs. And Upper Deck comes out with a bunch of autographs. So there's going to be a lot of autographs coming on the market. So you could almost put a sell rating on almost all these guys. But with Sammy Watkins going to the Bills, I'm probably selling at that range because uh, I, I'm not really a big believer in the Bills. And it gets really cold in Buffalo. And EJ Manuel, I honestly don't think will remind more people of Jamarcus Russell in a four, in a couple years than uh, you know Tom Brady or, or Aaron Rodgers or uh, even Russell Wilson or Colin Kaepernick. So I'm good with Sammy Watkins. I'd probably sell if I pulled one of his cards. I'm probably selling, even though I think he's a talented player and he could eventually be a good player. But I think he's going to have some more bumps in the road. I don't think he's going to have. He's not going to be able to have an amazing season with what they've got in Buffalo, at least uh, from my opinion. Let's stick with wide receivers. We'll go to Mike Evans of the team. He got drafted by the Tampa Bay Bucks, and this is another one of those kind of uh, situations where I'm not exactly sure how uh, well a Tam- we, you know Tampa Bay seems like the place where wide receivers go to die. Even though I think they had a guy that had a good year last year, uh, Mike Evans, a, a solid, uh, certainly a solid uh, college player, had a good year last year. Not a, an amazing year, um, but you know, again, he's on the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm not, you know, it's not the strongest quarterback that they have. I think they have a young Mike Glennon, I believe, is their quarterback. Which, and they were rumored to pick another quarterback. So it's not like they totally believe in him. Uh, so we'll see what happens in year two uh, there. But Mike Evans, again, wide receiver, a tough position in the NFL. If you, again, think of the NFL. When you're drafting, you all are going to be probably getting ready, and myself included, for fantasy football here. And I always tell people, you know, even though it's become a passing league, um, in a, I play in a lot of non-PPR, and I think I'm going to be voicing my opinion to try to change that this year. I think we need to go to PPR because it's tough, you know, outside of Calvin Johnson. You know, there's a big gap, it seems like, between him 
and the next guy. Whereas every other position, you know, running back, who's the best running back? Maybe Jamal Charles, maybe Adrian Peterson, uh, depending on your league. Um, but the gap, it's hard to almost pick who the best running back is. And then the, the second one could be as good or a guy that picks uh, that might be the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth ranked running back could have a great season. You know, it just kind of depends. Um, same with quarterback, you know, yeah, there's some really, really good quarterbacks. Peyton Manning is, is probably clearly, especially after last season is clearly one of the number one guys, but you know, Hey, Aaron Rodgers is pretty good. Drew Brees is really good. Even, uh, lower down, down on the, the end, you could go with, uh, the kid in uh, that's throwing for the Philadelphia Eagles. There's lots of quarterbacks out there. Whereas, whereas wide receiver, you know, yeah, you got AJ Green. Yeah, you got Andre Johnson still kind of hanging on, but there just isn't that like elite, uh, several elite wide receivers. So it's tough. It's tough to be an elite wide receiver. It's very, it's not easy. Even with these teams with great quarterbacks, it's not like there's a clear cut guy like in New England or in San Francisco or in, uh, you know, wherever, you know, on on the Saints, Um, you know, they have a couple guys, but they drafted a guy and I'll get to him in a minute. Anyways, Odell Beckham Jr. Now, here's a guy I might buy. It was 5-15. to 15. He got picked by the Giants, really just because he got picked by the Giants. I know Eli Manning's hurt, um, but should be back um, at some point during the season, maybe by week one, week two. Um, so I'll probably buy him. I think they lost out on a receiver there in, in, New, in New York. I think somebody moved on there. Maybe they re-signed somebody. I can't remember. But it's a team that uh, is well-coached is is you know has a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback I'm sure has some guys there that still have won a Super Bowl and and have some experience so I'd probably buy him especially the low end the five dollar I, I don't think there's much downside there yeah if he doesn't play much or he gets hurt or whatever it's not it's probably only worth two bucks or three bucks but he could potentially be a solid number two number three wide receiver there uh, for the New York Giants he had a, a pretty good season had some really good games last year uh, in college now onto a guy of tremendous amount of bias uh, towards my boy Brandon Cooks, but he couldn't have gone to a better situation. Uh, this guy uh, went to my high school. I didn't know him. He was obviously much younger than me, um, but he's from my hometown and went to my high school. And so clearly I have uh, uh, some affection for him and watched. Um, he played for Oregon State last year and I watched him play in the games. He's more of a possession wide receiver. He's more of a... You know, I heard him getting compared to Steve Smith, who's had a tremendous career in the NFL. Um, I don't know if I'd compare him that high yet, Um, but you can get the idea a little bit shorter uh, than him. Probably going to be playing in the slot uh, in the NFL. I don't imagine him, although he has a little bit of speed. He actually has a lot of speed. He ran the fastest 40 time um, of all the wide receivers. Um, so I like, I like him on the saints. Clearly, I think if he can stay healthy and if he can go to work, uh, he will play more than likely on the saints and they'll, they'll, they'll give him that coach is creative enough to get him the ball. How good of a season he'll have. I don't know, but his cards before the draft are selling between like five to $20 and certainly at the $5 range, I would be buying him. Uh, that's all the wide receivers I have listed here, but there were more that were picked. So I found uh, you could go, you could keep looking down the line on these wide receivers. But these were the ones that I that, that I had watched a little bit last year um, in college football, and I had made notes of their card values before the draft. 
Let's move on to quarterback because I only have a few of them written down here. Johnny Manziel, seventy to two hundred and fifty dollars, got drafted by the Browns, who had a sensational draft. I thought, um, and I'm somebody that doesn't. Re- my team's a rival of the Browns, and I thought they did an excellent job. They traded down and got kind of a guy they wanted at the top of the draft, and then a cornerback who who seemed uh, who had a really good sense of humor when he was. I saw his press conference with Johnny Manziel. Um, they got him and then they traded, ended up trading up. So they got an extra pick and then they ended up trading up to get Johnny Manziel, which I think was a really good move. And I think they've got several other players that seem to fit their needs. Although we found that their wide receiver, Josh Gordon, who I think led the league in receiving, he didn't play in every game, uh, is a tremendous, um, he led the team. I don't know if he led the league in receiving, but he led the team, um, and he, he looks like he's going to be getting suspended for the whole year. So that definitely affects Johnny Manziel. Set, his cards were selling between 70 and $250. And certainly with how many eyeballs are on the draft, more people are aware of this guy even now than they were, you know, two or three weeks ago. So I would hold probably on Johnny. I I tell people, I think Johnny's either going to be a, one of the best quarterbacks in the league or he's just going to suck. He's going to be a... Uh, Jimmy Clausen, uh, Brady Quinn, a uh, Tim Tebow, a guy that came out with a lot of publicity and kind of hype behind them, but are gone in a couple of years. And that certainly could be Johnny. Um, but he could be really good. And the, you know, he could be, uh, as good. I don't want to say as good as Russell Wilson because he just won a Super Bowl. Um, and Colin Kaepernick has won several playoff games and has gotten to the doorstep of the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl uh, the last two years. So I don't want to compare him to them, but maybe uh, RG3. RG3 isn't winning a ton of games and isn't, you know, certainly, you know, people were huge, are huge fans of him, but he's kind of lost his sizzle, but he's still a quality guy. I know he's had injuries and stuff, kind of slowed him down a little bit. Um Certainly it slowed him down. Um, but Johnny, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure about Johnny. He's either going to be really bad or he's going to be really good. And I think if he's really good, your upside on a $70 autograph card might be a little higher than that. Um, so I'd probably just hold just for the heck of it. But it, it is a lot of money. If, if 70 to $250 is a lot of money to you and you need it, hey, I'd, I'd be, trust me, I'd be the first one selling as well. Blake Bortles, sell, 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 uh, is what Jim Cramer would be putting uh, into his sound effects right now. Um, Blake Bortles plays for the Jaguars now and already kind of is reported that he's going to be sitting the whole year, although we know how that often ends turns out for teams they that often doesn't doesn't end up happening but is projected as the number two or number three quarterback as we said and he didn't really play played for like i think south florida or something i don't know if i ever saw one of his games or i might have seen at least one of them i he looks like an nfl quarterback certainly has kind of the body type of nfl quarterback but so does a whole heck of a lot of people there's probably some guys in my apartment complex that have the body of an nfl quarterback it doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be good um so we'll see and he certainly is on a team that has not had any success for a long time so blake bortles not hugely uh excited about him i'll be honest with you um so i'd probably sell in the 20 dollars range maybe i hold if his cards are worth 10 to 20 dollars, maybe i hold because there's a lot of upside there but if i pull one of the nicer ones 60 70 80 bucks 
I probably would just cash out because I think the odds of him becoming a, a good player immediately are are slim. And you could you could be buying his cards this time next year if he sits the whole. Look at Ryan Mallett. I mean the the New England. I don't have the guy's name written down here, uh, but New England drafted a quarterback like in the second round. So what's going to happen to Ryan Mallett? Yeah, he might move on. It, it actually might be a decent trade at this point. You could be buying his cards, hoping he he gets moved on to a new situation. Um, but he could be outright cut, and nobody could have interest. You never know. I mean, there's lots of quarterbacks that are drafted, and I mean, look at like Jake Locker, and we'll talk about uh, the other quarterback here, um, Christian Ponder was bought and people thought were well, oh Christian Ponder, Christian Ponder. Well the Vikings straight up to get Chetty Bridgewater. Uh so now he's taking that guy's place. So um quarterbacks come and go really quick. I mean uh so do running backs and so do wide receivers, but quarterbacks, you know, everybody knows who they are and then it's like, oh we don't care. He, he can be cut and nobody would pick him up. So uh Teddy Bridgewater, twenty to sixty dollars went to the Vikings. I'd probably be selling here too because he's going to a situation much like the Jaguars. The Vikings have had a little bit of success, but you know, how long is Adrian Peterson's going to play for? You know, whatever he's taking, I'll take some too, but he, uh, you know, probably can't last forever and time's going to catch up with Adrian Peterson at some point. So we'll see. You know, are they able to replace him? Are they able to get some more wide receivers there? You know, can they get another Randy Moss type receiver and Teddy Bridgewater? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater will be the answer. But as it stands now, it doesn't look good. It, you know, it hasn't looked good for the Vikings in a while. And I'd probably be selling there too. Carlos Hyde is coming out here to the West Coast. And I might be able to get a chance to see him in a couple of games next year. Um... San Francisco 49ers select Carlos Hyde, who was the number one ranked running back going into kind of everybody's mock draft. And I think he was like the third or fourth running back taken. Um, I 15 to $35. He has that, will always have, and has uh, obviously a lot of that Ohio State fan base um, behind him at the moment. I probably lean towards selling here just because I wasn't that impressed with Carlos Hyde uh, last year, although he played against decent, decent competition um, for the most part. Um, I'd probably sell because he had some of the best offensive linemen as well. I mean, it's not like he, you know, he's running behind jokers. Um, and he, any, any ran quite a bit. Um, so some, some of these guys, you know, that didn't get the ball as much, maybe I'd be more of a fan. Um, but he's going to a really good situation. Um, uh, but we've seen running backs just, kind of have died outside of Frank Gore. Uh, I think they, they picked somebody a few years ago and he hasn't really worked out in San Francisco. So I'd probably lean toward the sell on Carlos Hyde only because, you know, this time next year, I think you might be able to get him for the same price or cheaper, but Hey, you never know. He is in a good situation. If they go to the Super Bowl or get playoff runs and he's a big part of it, certainly 15 to $35 for his cards will, will seem cheap. Bishop Sankey, my boy, got drafted by the Titans who got rid of uh, CJ2K. So there's probably a hole there, although I think they have a guy that's capable uh, still on that team. But Sankey's a guy you give the ball to. 
real tough uh, runner, got the ball quite a bit, was a big part of the offense, and was one of the more coveted running backs in terms of certainly in the fantasy world uh, in college. We'll see if he gets the ball that much, but at 5 to $20, certainly down at the $5 range, uh, considering he'll have an opportunity more than likely to play um, pretty early on in the Titans, um, I might be buying there, certainly at the $5 range. He's a, he's a, a, a solid running back and played in some relative, played in the Pac-10, I believe, um, or Pac-12, whatever it is. Um, you know, in a couple of years, it'll be Pac-57. But, uh, you know, Sankey's a pretty good player. And for 5 bucks, I'd probably be buying. I certainly wouldn't need to sell for $5. And holding, you know, if I pulled one, I'd probably just hold it. So I'd be on the buy-to-hold buy range on uh, Sankey. Trey Mason went to the St. Louis Rams, who will certainly... They also um, picked the openly gay Michael Sam, which I think is... Um, I'll give my opinion on Michael Sam, not his uh, sexuality. He can do whatever he wants there. That's my opinion. Um, but... Uh, in terms of his card values, I think there'll be some sexiness. That's probably a bad pun, but I think there'll be a little bit with him. Um, he'll get some media attention, but similar to like Manti Teo, I heard, you know, uh, over the weekend, somebody kind of compare his situation in terms of how you should maybe handle it to Manti Teo, let him talk to the media like one time and then kind of let him go off and be a football player. I think that's probably what will happen. He'll certainly get a lot of attention, but four, five, six years down the line, it's possible people look at this guy as kind of an icon and kind of, certainly if he has a really good career, people will look at him as kind of a pioneer and an icon and his cards will have value. But I think as we go along, we'll, as his career moves along, as we move along in the years in, in, in the way uh, athletes uh, talk about their sexuality. I think more will will certainly certainly there's other ones that are playing now. I mean, it's just odds on favorite somebody in the NFL, somebody in the Major League Baseball, somebody in the NBA. Probably multiple people um, are gay and they just haven't come out or they haven't openly decided to take that step in their life. But we'll come to find out that it's not really that big. Of a, it's one, it's not that big of a deal. Number two. Um, there's probably a lot more athletes than we think, um, certainly in professional sports um, and certainly across all sports when you include the Olympics and other sports like that. There's certainly a, a, a wide range of sexualities out there. So I don't think we're going to care that much. But, you know, Michael Sam, if, if I can get money for his cards, I'm selling. Basically, even Jamie and Clowney, I'm selling these guys because especially Clowney, I have him listed here, but I didn't talk about him. Um you know, how good can he be? He's been talked up to be kind of like the Jesus Christ of defensive players. And his, his initials are JC. So, you know, we'll see. But even J.J. Watt cards, you know, yeah, his, his autographs and his rookies are worth a little bit. But they've certainly cooled down a little bit. And he's one of the more recognizable and talked about defensive players. Look at DeMarcus Ware. He was talked about and played on a real famous team and he got cut. Uh, so, uh, you know, defensive players, I'm never really... Darrell Rivas is another guy. Um, there's the, the other, there's several uh, cornerbacks that, you know, are once the best in the league and then they get cut and they're bouncing around. Um, Namdi Asawa, I think, is out of the league um, and he was supposed to be the best. So I'm selling defensive players um, no matter what because I think after their first year, two years, three years in the league, nobody really cares about them. 
Moving on, let's go to really quickly to Trey Mason, $10 to $25. I'm probably selling here just because the Rams haven't had a really big flashy running back since uh, Marshall Falk. So I'm probably selling even though I think Trey Mason is is an upside guy. He's a guy that could break off some big plays. I just don't think he's going to do it consistently enough in the NFL. Andre Williams, five to ten dollars. I'm buying at the five dollar range. Here's a guy that's going to the New York, New York Giants, and that coach has a uh, what's the word? Uh, he, he that coach doesn't care about playing a different kind of running backs. He might start this guy um, for all I know. Andre Williams is a, a solid player. Had a very very solid year last year. Very, you can go look at the stats. Uh, very solid player. And could potentially get some time in New York. I don't know how much playing time, but could certainly, you know, their running back situation is not, you know, glued up like uh, the Vikings or other teams. So he, for five bucks, I'm buying there. And certainly if I pull one of his cards, five to ten dollars, I'll keep it. Kadeem Carey got drafted by the Bears and they, these prices might have moved already. Um, these, again, these are all prices priced before the draft. Kadeem Carey, 5 to $10 before the draft, got drafted by the Chicago Bears. Uh, another guy, um, kind of like Trey Mason, has uh, some ability um, to uh, have some big plays and do some good thing, really big things on the football uh, field. I believe, I believe Kadeem Carey is the guy that can also catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm not Mel Kiper, uh, but I believe he has some ability to do that as well. And the Chicago Bears will see what happens with them this year. You know, if they have keep healthy at quarterback, they're de- they had a decent record last year, even when the other kid came in, McCown. Um, so. You know, Kadeem Carey, I'd probably certainly buy, I think, all the running backs. I thought that this this draft, it was like the latest the running back could be selected um, just because that's kind of the way the NFL is trending. But I think you as a card collector, it takes some of the sexiness off some of these running backs. But look at last year. Eddie Lacy was like the rookie of the year. And Giovanni Bernard had a really, really good year. Rookie running backs can come in because there's openings at those positions. And it's a position that you can... It's not like quarterback where I got to learn all these plays and do all this shit. You know, it's tough to be a quarterback in the NFL and it's tough to be a wide receiver. Imagine trying to learn all the routes. And then as a wide receiver, you're a, sometimes you have like two routes or you you're running a certain route based on the defensive coverage. So imagine all that learning. Whereas a running back, yeah, he's got to do a little bit of pass protection, which takes some running backs a little bit of time. But it's really, here's, you know, it's a pull left. It's a sweep right. It's a this this kind of run, that kind of run. There's not that many, much for them to learn on. You know, it's really hit a hole and run. Uh, so some of these guys can come in and, and, and be stars. So I think down at this low end range on the running backs, like, like I said, I'd probably avoid Carlos Hyde and, and Trey Mason cards are worth a little bit more than the average guy. I'd probably maybe avoid, uh, some of those guys and the Bengals for some reason. I don't know why the heck the Bengals drafted, uh, the kid from LSU. Um, that was so stupid. I don't know why they drafted another running back that high, but I thought they could have gotten an Andre Williams late. Uh, Lance Sheestruck um, got picked by the Redskins. Another guy you could have you could have picked late. I, I don't think he went that soon. Um, so all, most of these running backs, if their cards aren't worth that much, I'd probably just gamble um, with a buy and then hope one of them gets playing time because that 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 value alone would probably pay for the other ones. Moving right along. 
wholesale card. You know, I got an email the other day and my brother responded because I think it was an article that he put up on Bowman Baseball with like the wholesale price of Bowman Baseball or whatever. And I get emails all the time, like you know, hey, mostly. Oh, I, I've I've set up an account and I and I see on eBay that the price is less, or I go to blowout cards and the price is the same price. You know what? You know how can you make money in this? But you can't make money buying and selling open boxes. That's why people have gotten into group breaking because you know I also get those emails too. Like, hey, I added up the price and it's four hundred dollars more than I could have paid for a case. You know, I'm getting ripped off. Well, yeah, that's what group breakers are doing. They're marking it up. You know, they claim that, oh, you know, sitting in front of camera and kind of sorting through the cards. Yeah, it takes quite a bit of time, but you're paying for that, too. It's not like that's free. Uh, So in most cases, I'm sure, you know, you have to eat it as a group breaker every once in a while. You might order a product that doesn't doesn't sell out or doesn't sell as well or people, you know, take less margin. But that that's another thing, you know, a whole nother sideshow is that if there's margin in the business of group breaking, trust me, that's going to shrink. So you out there, anybody that's group breaking, just know your margins are going to shrink year over year, especially a year like this. A year like this, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. There's Johnny Manziel and there's Teddy Bridgewater and Carlos Hyde and there's all these Sammy Watkins and all these guys. Jadamian Clowney even will will sell this year. People will be excited. Yeah, but so will be, there'll, there'll be a lot of competition too. A lot of people will want to get into this business and, and get into group breaking. And, and the way you attract customers, oh, let's just drop the price. Instead of making three hundred fifty dollars on a case, I'll make two fifty. Oh, and the next guy will say, "Oh, I'll make one fifty. And the next guy will say, "Oh, I'll do it for a hundred. And it just goes down and down the line. Especially the more popular it gets, more more people will come in to sell. But anyways, wholesale. First of all, I don't care about shop owners. I don't care about group breakers. I don't care about anybody in this industry. I don't care about Panini and Tops. Trust me, if you want to get traffic to a website, which initially what I wanted to do when I set up my website five years ago, five, six years ago, I want people to come to it. You know, what? so what market should I, I go to? Should I care about shop owners? There's, there was like barely... 200 of them at the industry summit this year. Should I market to those people? I mean, even if I had every single one coming to my website every day, that's like 200 people. No, I don't care about you. Should I care about online sellers? Yeah, there's probably quite a bit more than there. You probably, even if you include kind of the casual online seller with the serious ones, you're looking at well over a thousand people, Um, probably a few thousand considering how many auctions are on eBay. Um, But do I care about you? No. Because how many collectors are there? How many people that are out there that just buy cards and sell cards and just kind of has it as a hobby? And, and you know, they could care less if the, the box was $80 wholesale or $90 wholesale. There's thousands and thousands of those people out there. So those are the people I care about. And wholesale, the problem, my brother put up a really good article kind of explaining that the it's so easy to get... Uh, a whole to buy cards wholesale that that's what's driven the price down so much and that and that supports my argument to group breaking the more people that get into it and the easier it is to become a group breaker to buy cards wholesale the that's when the margins just shrink and shrink and shrink because there's really no barrier of entry you literally literally if you want to buy wholesale cards you don't need a business you don't need even need to sell the cards you can write off a hobby i don't you should uh contact your uh cpa or, or somebody that's more attuned to taxes 
but you can write off losses in a hobby. I think several hundred dollars worth at least, maybe more than that. Uh, certainly, you can spend the hour or two it takes to get a wholesale license from your state. It doesn't. It doesn't take uh, a savvy businessman. It, do, it in most cases there's some kind of appli- In some cases there's application fees. Some places it's free. Uh, I mean, it really should be. Um, it, it might cost you forty bucks and two hours of your time to get a wholesale license. And then all you got to do is call one of these distributors up. And they'll take your business. Most of them will take your business. You don't need a card store. You don't need to show your eBay ID. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But it, you could say, oh, I sell on Check Out My Cards. Or, oh, I sell it at card shows. That's what I would tell them. Oh, I travel. You know, I'm a card show. De- I'm a local card show dealer. And I go to trade shows and, and sell my cards. You know, that's all you need to tell them. Just buy the cards and open them yourself. Pay no tax on it. Not that, not that that's, uh, not that anybody's charging that anyways. But it's so easy to become a dealer that any idiot can do it. So it's driven the price down. Where is with, you know, what about uh, school textbooks? Can everybody become a wholesaler for that? No, you know, the schools have a pretty talk lock, uh, have that locked up pretty good. Wouldn't it be nice to be selling $200 books right now? Uh, or, you know, and, and get into that business. Yeah, you can kind of get into the used market and certainly people have. Um, but to just do that, it'd be a lot harder. How about to sell Apple phones? You know, yeah, you can buy Apple phones on eBay and you can do that. But can you just call Apple up and say, oh, can I speak to Tim Cook? Oh, no, Cook's busy. Oh, well, cool. I'll speak to somebody about buying uh, some phones from you. Click. If you're not AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile or Best Buy, they don't want to talk to you or Target. Apple doesn't want to talk to you. And look at the price of the phones. Look how much money Apple has in the bank. It's hard to buy their product wholesale. It's hard to be a store that sells it. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. You have some pricing power. It all ends there. AT&T has pricing power. Apple has pricing power. But last time I checked, both those companies are doing pretty good. Last time I checked... Panini wants to sell their business. So does Top. So does Upper Deck. So would anybody else. So wholesale, uh, that price is already out there. Trust me. And my other argument is public companies. And like when you go on, I don't know if any of you watch the Shark Tank. There's people that get on there and say, oh, yeah, it costs us eighteen fifty seven to make it. If we can get it over in China, it'll we'll get it down to $9. And we charge the customer $19.99. And what happens after the show? The, the product sells out. The guy's website crashes. He runs out of inventory. People don't care that you make money on a product. People don't care that when you buy a $500 Apple iPhone that, you know, you just shipped $300 to Apple in profit. Nobody cares. If you have a product people want, people will pay for it. And if you don't, that's what happens with wholesale cards. The you know nobody can mark it up any because nobody wants it. Nobody wants to sell it. Everybody can get it anywhere. I can group break it. I can get it on eBay. I can buy it myself. So just because the wholesale price is out there on an item doesn't mean oh people won't pay for it then. No. Like I said, just watch Shark Tank. Those products sell out like instantly and they tell you exactly how much money they're making on it. 
right there on the show. People don't care. And lastly, I want to get really quickly, I won't spend too much time on this, but Rouser's getting kicked off a, 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 a website. I think they've already set up their own, which is my argument. I think I said last year, I think it was about a year ago, might have been over a year ago. I told you guys, when you guys got, when Blog TV sold to you now, I told you guys, it's going to be the endless bump. You guys went to Vaughn TV or something like that. Then you guys got bumped over to Breakers TV. And then if you did raffles, you just got bumped off that and now you're on whatever.tv. You guys are just going to keep going down the line. That's why, that's why I've done this show for five years and you can go to iTunes and you can go to any number of podcast apps or whatever, you know, that kind of have this contest or you can go to my website where the domain is not changed. It's still sports card radio after all these years. I've not changed that. And you can find these shows and you can download them and you can listen to them and there it's stayed the same not that you need to do that in every situation or uh, you know all all categories of websites and all categories of business you know certainly businesses move and people change domain names and stuff like that but if you go from one site that you didn't have any control over and you bounce to the next one well you're probably going to lose some customers and then if you get bounced again remember we're looking in like a year's time frame some of you have switched streaming sites three or four times how do you think that looks to your customers and apparently uh, you know I think we're from two different worlds as well with some of these group breakers because I often get people referring to some of them as like, quote, big. But, you know, big, big, I've heard some people refer to some of these group breakers as, quote, big when they have, you know, like 100 or 200 or 300 people, you know, like 100 people in a room, quote, a room, is, quote, big. And I don't know if if you guys are from a different world than me, but 100 people in a room or 30 people or anywhere in between that is like, and that's nothing. No wonder you're not making that much money. No wonder you're getting kicked off and moved to other sites and things like that. And I have, this was from uh, late last month. Uh, I got some, uh, some news from, I I have informants who I will not reveal their identity. I have several of them and I never solicited this, but people do inform me. I think it's awesome. They inform me about some of these razors and apparently Sin City uh, is closing his card shop. And he has been doing liquidation razzes. Um, and he is apparently going to open a vapor shop. So he's getting into the electronic cigarette, I believe. Um, unless he's in Colorado, they might be vaping something else there. But uh, as far as I know, Sin City Sports is now doing liquidation razzes. Uh, so I found that to be, <laughs> appreciate that update. 
on our our friends over at uh of course, friends in air quotes at Sin City Sports Card. So, um, people come in and out of this, but people like this guy, Sin City Sports. I appreciate. Thank you for the informant for uh, for sending that uh, little bit of information over. Um, you, you know, people like this Sin City guy. Oh, he's big and oh, he's doing lots of right. Well, and he's getting out of it. So, how much money can you really be making? How much? You know, how cool can it really be? And you're going to get bounced around this site, this site, this site. And if you never really set up your own website or take that time, eh, eventually you're going to lose out on some customers. That about wraps it up for this segment. I think we've gone, I've gone on long enough here. I think I've emphasized, you know, people that listen to the show realize that you got to own your own website. You got to own your own contact. You got to treat your traffic with a certain amount of respect and not send them to these pop-up ad sites or these kind of cheap-looking websites. Just take the five minutes to set it up yourself. And if you don't want to set it up yourself, go to odes.com, type in the title, I need a clone of breakers.tv. I need Vaughn Live TV clone. I need this kind of clone. And put $50 fixed price in there. Don't pay by the hour. Put a fixed price of 50 bucks and you'll have guys bidding you down to like 20 bucks. Boom, there's, there's your website. Have fun managing your server, especially if you have like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys streaming at once and they want to do it in HD or they want to do it 24 hours a day or whatever. Have fun with that cost and some of that mess. But it's not that easy to have. It's, it's pretty easy to have one of these sites, especially if you just want to do it yourself. Blah, 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 boxbreak.com. Here's my stream, private stream. Ah, that's easy. Takes like a day. And if you're making a couple hundred bucks on a case or if you're for some reason stupid enough to do raffles and you have stupid enough customers that, and if you buy into these raffles, quote, razzes, you're dumb. You're an idiot. Trust me. Stop buying into them. Anybody that buys into these things are an idiot. And forget, oh, I'm insulting some people that are listening. I don't care. I've been called, I call myself an idiot many times, probably several times in a week. I'm like, oh, that's dumb. Oh, you're so stupid. If you can't reflect on yourself, that's probably why you're buying into Ravel. That's why you can't see, oh, this is probably not a good idea. This is probably not a good deal for me. It's not a good way to spend money. Anyways. I'm going to cut this segment. we got a great segment coming up here. I've um, got an excellent interview. You all should hang on. Um, you know, we're going to take a quick break. But, you know, pause the podcast. Go get yourself a drink. Go take a dump. And, you know, get yourself ready. Because I'm really excited about this interview that I recorded yesterday. And I'm, I'm certain um, you all will enjoy it. Um, we're coming up with Joseph from baseball card underscore JS on Twitter right after this. And we are back and I'm pleased to be joined by Joseph of Baseball Card JS. That's Baseball Card underscore JS on Twitter. Joseph, thank you for coming on to the show today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? 
Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, let's, uh, you know, let's, we've just been chatting just briefly here and I, I know you through Twitter and through email exchanges, but I feel like I want to get to know you a bit more. Like, tell us just a little bit maybe about yourself and how you got into collecting and buying and selling baseball cards and stuff like that. Let us know, um, kind of just your background and stuff. Well, I really started when I was really young. Uh, me and my dad would go get autographs at different stadiums and stuff like that. And we found that buying baseballs and getting them signed were really, were starting to get really expensive. So we started going to a cheaper method and buying baseball cards. And it eventually led to buying and selling the certified stuff. Oh, cool! So it's something you and your you and your dad got involved with. Um, what kind of stuff were you buying and selling, kind of like early on? Really, it was the the cheaper stuff, like the just the rookie cards and the some of the color parallels. And I really didn't start selling until the last couple of years. What what kind of stuff do you sell? Are you specifically buying something to sell it, or is it something that you just come across? Like maybe talk to us a little bit about some of the strategies you might have for kind of like buying and selling different things. I'm really looking at buying a lot of the Bowman Chrome stuff because those you can get in really cheap, and if you hold on to them long enough, you can get a good return on them. Like I'm sometimes bidding 100, 200 items a week on eBay and winning two or three at the margins I'm trying to buy them at. How do you keep track of that? Are you, are you, you know, when you find a, a particular player that you want to buy and say you want to buy them for $5 or less or something, how are you determining that price? How are you, you know, you say you bid on a hundred different things. How are you determining your price and, you know, what, how, how is that working out for you? I'm, I'm curious there. I'm really, I like to go through and get an average of maybe the last five or 10, depending on how pricey the item is. If it's a two, $300 card, I like to get more data than just five or 10 cards. But I mean, just the normal $50, $75 card, I'll get the average of the last five and usually buy at about 75 to 85% of it, depending on what time of the year it is. Okay, okay. And maybe give us an example. Maybe who have you, who are you targeting right now? Um, you know, maybe a certain player or a certain card out there that you kind of have your eye on and that you're, you know, you're bidding on either this week or you might have done uh, recently. Well, the new Bowman just came out, and I'm really interested in the guy, Kyle Parker. Okay. I saw him play in the minors, and he's got a big following. He was quarterback at University of Clemson, and he's got a big following, a big fan base. And I just recently purchased a couple of his blue refractor autographs. Nice, nice. And are you are you selling them on you know when you're ready to sell or or and things like that? Are you only selling on eBay? Or are you selling on forums or other websites like Lettuce? Like what? How do you end up selling the card when you're when you're ready to when you're ready to sell? I really sell a lot of the higher end stuff on like eBay and a couple other forums and stuff. And then I just got into doing some of the Com C stuff with some of the lower end parallels. Like I should have a couple hundred cards dropping in the next week or two on there. Okay, nice. How long have you been using uh, Com C there? Like, are you are you sending cards in yourself, or are you b- kind of buying and selling on the site? 
I really just got into it about the beginning of this year when they started doing all their new uh, ComC challenge and stuff like that. Okay. And I was sending my first order about a month ago. Oh, nice. And uh, was looking to use their new suggested price to price out the cards when they finally got on there. Okay. <laughs> Nice, nice. What what about the forums? Like you just said, you might sell a card or two on the forums. That's something I've done. I've traded a little bit on forums. Talk to us a little bit maybe about that. Um, You know, I think if you're selling, you probably have to build up maybe somewhat of a positive reputation and things like that on certain forums. So maybe talk to us just a little bit about that. Well, really, what I do on there is I like to buy on there a lot because they don't like eBay is one thing I've found. They don't like the eBay pricing. You can usually get it a lot cheaper on there, but it's just there's so much you have to go through. Like you have to go through all the threads, and it's not very specific. It just takes a lot of time on there. That's why I prefer eBay. Right. But I do like on there for doing some of the other things. Like I know on Blowout, they just recently did the 100 case break, which I got some stuff really cheap there. Nice. Very cool, very cool. Uh, what other kind of like buying technique? And, and, you know, it sounds like you do a lot of buying and trying to get the best price and trying not to, you know, overpay or, you know, you, you do your diligence in terms of, of, of buying certain cards. Any other tips you have for people, certainly people your age, like trying to save maybe a little bit of money, um, even if it takes a little bit of time? Really, it's just to figure out what you want to do with the hobby. Do you want to just collect a team or a player, or do you want to make it where you can start making some money at it? And, I mean, that's really the best thing. That's what I did was I decided what I wanted to get out of the hobby. And what do you what, – what is it – you know, explain to me, like, what do you want to get out of this hobby, you know? I'd really like to get why and down to about five or ten really – Five hundred to a thousand dollar cards, where that's really my focus is. It's just on the really high end, and just trade and sell from there. Okay, so to, to try, you know, only have a small group of like elite cards that you're kind of keeping, and then you're kind of, you know, you're, you're willing to sell pretty much. What? Who would be in your like if you had if you had an unlimited budget? Um, who would be in your top five kind of best cards? You can even be specific with certain cards if you want. Really, it would probably change each year depending on who would be the next group of guys that would make it to the majors. Like this past year, I bought a lot of Taiwan Walker, Nick Castellanos, Billy Hamilton, who are starting to get really popular now. Right. And then in this next year, probably towards the end of the year, I'm going to look at buying some Buxton, some Correa's, uh, maybe a couple other guys, maybe Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm really looking into buying a bunch of his stuff. Nice. Where do you do your base? It sounds like you know a lot about baseball prospects. I mean, fi- finding out out about these guys is not like as simple as watching ESPN and things like that. Um, wh- where do you find your information? How do you how do you find the prospects that are that are that are coming up in this in this game? I really go to a lot of minor league games and do autographs. Like, really, my hobby is getting autographs, and my business is selling the certified cards, like the pack fold cards. And it's really just seeing who's popular there, who's got a big following, who's got a lot of hype around them. 
who who do you think in this? I I know that you you mentioned uh, 2014 Bowman just came out. I think a week or two ago. Um, any guys in there? How what? I, it sounds like you've already bought some of the cards in there. You've taken a look at them. What, what do you think about the set? And if there's any, do you think there's any kind of uh, prospects that are in there that that might be worth checking out? Well, like I was saying with the hundred case break, I think I got in really cheap on a. Uh, a guy named Chris Beck. He played at the uh, university about 20, 30 minutes from my house, and he went really high in the first round, and I was able to get him really cheap, and they pulled a lot of big cards, so I'm really counting on him to do big. And then I'm looking at, uh, like I said, I'm looking at that guy, Kyle Parker, and uh, trying to think who else is in the set. Uh, your guess is good as mine. I've ne- that's one set I have not checked out. I think my brother is all about that because he knows he knows quite a bit about uh, baseball prospects, and he goes to a lot of minor league games um, himself. Talk about going to minor league games. I mean, um, my brother, who's not a big autograph hound, often comes home with autographed baseballs and and autographed jerseys and just all kinds of stuff uh, that he's able to get. Maybe talk a little bit about um, the art of scoring an autograph, um, particularly at a minor league baseball game. Well, really, the stadiums that I go to, there aren't a lot of really autographed hounds. I mean, I'll go there and I can, if somebody bigs there, I can have unlimited access to them pretty much any time but game time. I mean, if I want somebody and I have the items to get them on, I can come home with 50 items signed by them <laughs> if I want it. <laughs> yes, and they often have these fan uh, days. I think, uh, you know, before the season starts and probably periodically through the season, you're able to catch these guys. Um, and my, I know my brother has said similar experience. He can, He's seen people come up there with like 50 baseball cards and have the guy sign all of them uh, or, you know, a bunch of baseballs. Uh, what items do you like to get signed? Is it 8x10 photos? Is it baseballs? Is it bats? Is it a mixture of things? Well, I like to get, if they're a big-name guy, I like to put them on a sweet spot baseball. And then my dad, actually, so we like to do a, go for two games. The first game, he'll take pictures of them, and he'll have them printed. And the second game, he'll get them to sign two of the pictures he printed and give them one. Oh, and wow, that's they cool. Really, they really appreciate it because they like to send them back home to their parents right. or stuff like that. That's very that's very cool. That's also a way of I'm sure getting in the good graces of of not only that player but other players probably see that and want probably would want one uh too. They'd be jealous of their teammate that has that. Um what other tips do you have or do you have any other thoughts about, you know, kind of going to minor league games? I've always had a lot of fun when I've gone. Really, it's kind of going to the games that are really worth it. I mean, there are some teams I've found that they don't even have anybody. So we just kind of mark those off our calendar and try to go somewhere else. And then you get teams that are loaded and you want to go for three, four days while they're in town and just load up on their stuff. Very cool, very cool. I I think that that is great advice. You know, minor league games, you can, like you said, you have almost unlimited, if you show up early enough, 
you you can be right. there when they're just kind of meandering around the field and stretching and you know kind of look at they, they just kind of ch- look in the crowd themselves um and and oftentimes i remember pablo sandoval of the giants came to my hometown and played like a rehab stint last year and he signed you know pretty much for the whole crowd it's kind of their job um and that's always the the cool thing about being close to minor league teams because sometimes a guy, a big name guy, could be coming in and rehabbing. Um, what, do you go to any like football or college basketball or college football? Or are there any other sports that really interest you, or is baseball really your thing? It's really baseball. I mean, we're like two hours from the Jaguars, and they don't have a big fan base. Right. So if there's ever a big player, we thought about going down there and getting them. We've heard it's really easy getting autographs there. And uh, Georgia Southern, they just moved into Division One, so we're looking at getting some bigger teams coming in now. So we may start doing some more college football than we used to. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Jaguars are the one that got Blake Bortles. So that would be, I guess, <laughs> uh, one of the guys to get. They have some other younger players there. I think they lost Jones Drew, but I think they have a running back uh, coming in for him. I mean, thing about the NFL, you just now you never know. Um, but the Jaguars certainly seem to be on pace to get another high draft pick next year. Any thoughts on the on the Jaguars' pick of Blake Bortles? I was really hoping they'd get Manziel. I heard a lot heard a lot of news that were saying they were going to pick him, and I was like, we may have to start going to Jacksonville. <laughs> Actually, a friend of mine who runs a card shop down there, I think you talked about him in one of your past shows. He was the guy at the National with all the Correa stuff. Okay, okay. He signed, an, he signed an exclusive deal with him a couple of years ago before he got drafted and got him to sign a couple thousand items. And he'd been in contact with Manziel that if he got drafted with Jacksonville, he was going to try to outbid Benini on their deal. I see, I see. That's that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I think it was that was a, definitely an interesting pick. I think he's not even supposed to play this year. Uh, it certainly seems like a guy that has like the body and kind of the look of an NFL quarterback, but who knows? You know, I did watch him, I think, for a game or two this last season. Um, I don't think he played for like – he didn't play like stiff competition. So we'll see how it works out. But you might be on pace for another top – maybe this upcoming year you got the get another number one pick and it might be worth uh, going and seeing Jacksonville every once in a while. That's right. That's right. That's um, right. You got any advice? What's your aspirations? I know you're a young man. Like, what's your aspirations kind of in the next five years? Is it to kind of stay in this business and see where it goes? You know, what what's uh, what's the future for you like kind of in this business? I'm really looking at just staying in this business. It's kind of like a side job. Still going and getting autographs and just going on to college. I'm really looking at the business of baseball, like maybe – becoming a general manager for a minor league team right, or something along those lines. What's, uh, you know, what, I think you're at the age of where you're kind of about to apply for some colleges that you might have already done that. Which ones are you looking at? Like, kind of like, what's your, what's your thoughts there? I'm always interested to hear about that. Well, like I mentioned before, Georgia Southern, they're ranked number three in the nation in their sports management and their, uh, their school of business is nationally known, so I'm really looking at them as be close to home. Cool. 
Cool. That'd be fun. You know, I actually uh, took some sports management classes and there's actually quite a few fields there. You know, you could be an agent, you can do um, all kinds of management throughout the minor, you know, minor leagues. I think it's all about working your way up. And once you're in with the minor leagues, you know, you can then move on to, I think, Moneyball. I watched the movie Moneyball and it was like, that was a pretty pretty realistic uh probably depiction of how quickly you can move uh through organizations and and kind of move up in importance uh depending on how hard you work what what uh what would you do if you were you know managing a minor league team and i mean it's not are you thinking uh, like player personnel um kind of gm or are you thinking managing the entire business uh, concessions and tickets and things like that which side of the business are is really interesting you I'm really interested in, like, the selling tickets, the promoting the players, like, getting fans to come out, get people in seats, because everybody knows if you can get them in the door, they're just going to buy stuff. <laughs> right, exactly, and just buy, you know, overpriced food and things like that. Um, so so kind of the marketing of, of, the, of the business, and I, that's actually probably the, the positions that come up uh, very often, I think at at our minor league team, they a lot of those positions are filled by, um, you know, there's probably a, a couple people in charge, but a lot they get a lot of people from colleges, so it's something you could do probably really early on. Uh, what are some things that you would do if you were in charge of a minor league team and 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 it's a tough, it's sometimes a tough sell to get a few thousand people out to a game. What are some of the things that might you might implement just uh, off the top of your head? Well, me and my parents always joke, like, what are we going to do with all this autograph stuff that we got? We're thinking about doing, like, silent auctions or stuff, if it ever came to that. Or maybe promotional giveaways. Really, just trying to get people to come out. Yeah, maybe connect them with the... I've always thought, you know, connect them with the players so they have kind of a, a personal... That, that takes some effort from the players, but they, they have plenty of free time. You know, try to get that connection where they are almost they almost feel a part of this guy or they're, they, they feel attached to the player, so they almost feel obligated to kind of come out to the game and, and check out a guy who's been in... Maybe been in the community or went to, went to some of the schools and, and said something. I thought, you know... It's minor league teams are such a small community almost, and if you could build that, um, you know, build that up, I think that would be kind of interesting. What changing gears? Let's get back onto to sports cards here. Um, you got any like final tips for people? I'm I'm really intrigued how you do a lot of research and you do a lot of price kind of targeting and kind of sti- actually sticking to your price. Is there any? Have you just been able to do that? Just say, hey, I want to pay say ten dollars for this, and, and the minute it goes to ten and ten dollars and fifty cents you're out like is how did you build a is there anything consciously you had to do to kind of build up that discipline well really it's with ebay it's almost like if i miss something here everybody's trying to bid on that one and then there's probably another the same card ending in a few minutes right because you're hoping that a lot of people will miss so if you type in the player and five cards come up I go ahead and just watch all five of them, and I should get one, I'm hoping. From what my odds have been, I should get one of the five for the price that I want. 
Right. And so you just stick that. And if it doesn't work out that day, I, I'm it, like you said, eBay is like the world's greatest, uh, you know, place to buy cards. I mean, you know, 24 hours later, chances are there's going to be another three to five more. Um, and right. so you just never have to overpay. And I mean, that's why I like your idea of getting kind of five elite cards, either one of ones or ones that just are really, really, really tough to get um, because they don't come up every day on eBay. Um, what about like the ones, you know, if you're buying low number parallels, um, even if you get down to kind of 199 or and below, there might not be four or five a day on there. Is there, are you willing to fudge a little bit more on kind of the, the higher end cards or do you stick to stick to your range on those? Really those, I may bump up the percentage I buy at on those because they only come up so often. But it's really how different you can be, how you can set yourself apart from everybody else. Like what makes your item different than somebody else's that they're selling? And what what kind of things, you know, outside of, you know, a nice title, making sure you spell everything right. When you're selling, we're turning around and selling how are you getting them? I take it if you're if you're in it to get it for the lowest price, you're probably in it to get kind of a max or a peak end price on the back end. Outside of timing, maybe when you sell, uh, what are some things you do to get the most out of you know when you're in there selling? How do you get the highest margins? How do you make the most money? Really, it's how many people can you reach? Like I was talking about Kyle Parker earlier. When those cards come in, I'm going to list those. As the description, but in the title, I'm going to put Clemson Tigers in there just to get another group of people that would normally not look at my stuff to look at it. If you can relate it to something else, some big event, a perfect game, a no-hitter, a World Series, you can get so many more people to look at your items than they nor- than normal people would. And are you, are you pricing when you listen to them on eBay? Are you doing ninety nine cent no reserve auctions? Or are you pricing them at a fixed price? Um, what kind of things are you doing there in terms of your pricing? I really haven't had the best of luck with auctions, so I like to keep them the buy it nows, and I normally list them really high and let people send the offers. And then sometimes you get the people that just outright buy it, right for whatever the list price is. Exactly. Do you ever run any, you know, how are you, are you putting the price up there? And then I take it you're probably then, if it's not selling, maybe after a little while, maybe you go in there and adjust the price. Are you doing that a lot? Are you judging based on how he's playing? Do do you, how do you monitor your, once you set your price, how are you adjusting the, the ones that aren't selling as quickly? Really about four times a year each season and then when the small season comes around, really the most is I look at the watchers and the views that the items got and if they haven't got much maybe I've got something misspelled or maybe people just don't want him and I look at a different avenue with that or it's really just updating it and figuring out why people aren't looking at it or what I can add to make people view it. I love that. That's that's uh, that. You know, it sounds like you've got a real bright future in marketing and kind of understand the analytics between, you know, if nobody's looking at it, that, you know, sure as hell, nobody's going to buy it. Um, so what uh, do you sell anything else? Do, is it just baseball cards or are you are you sometimes buying and selling other things on eBay or, or in, in other places? On eBay, probably two percent of my 
the stuff I sell is baseball cards. Most of it is these promotional items from the games, like cups, tomahawks. Those are my best sellers. I've always just that my goal is to populate the world with red tomahawks, <laughs> the Atlanta break tomahawks, and then the bobbleheads. When they have bobblehead giveaways, we buy 20, 30 tickets and just go and rack up on bobbleheads because I'll sell the stuff like that and that goes into a separate account that we use for when we travel and go and get autographs, go to card shows, stuff like that. Very cool, very cool. I love uh, that. It, so it's a Braves affiliate that you're you're located nearby. Is that correct? Well, I'm actually located near the – I'm a Giants fan, and we're located okay. near their low-A team. Okay. We go to Atlanta about once a month. I've got a group of guys up there that I get autographs with, and we, we're really good at it. Okay. Wow. It's, it definitely sounds like that. I know that – there's, you know, it, it's, uh, that sounds very fun. Like, I know, like, that sounds like something definitely I would do that I would have done years ago myself. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, so you're a fan of the Giants. Uh, what do you think? We got, like, the the best record, I think, in the league uh, right now. And I think we just lost the Dodgers yesterday. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Giants right now? I have to say they're a really good signing team. I just got back from Atlanta this past weekend. They were there, and I have never seen a, a team that signs that much. Oh, that's good. That's but good. other than that, they are. I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs again this year. Definitely going to make the playoffs. Any young, I know they t- called up uh, Tyler Colvin. I think it was uh, the yesterday. Um, any pros, any young uh, San Francisco Giant players you've got your eye on in particular? Really, we haven't had the best luck in prospects the last couple of years because we won the World Series, so we haven't had the best draft pick. Right. But uh, I think a guy in Augusta this year. We haven't even made it up there yet this year is uh, Ryder Jones looks really good. I think he was in the Bowman draft last year, and he got his first regular card in the Bowman that just came out. Okay, that's that's an interesting tidbit there. I'll definitely uh, be looking uh, more at him uh, now that you mention it. Um, any last, we've got you on for a little bit. I know it's Mother's Day, so you might, uh, might have some obligations there. Um, you, is there... Is there any anything you want to share out there with people? Uh, really, it's just to find what you want to do and what you want to get out of the hobby. It's how can you set yourself apart from everybody else? What can you do to make your stuff stand out? And really, it's to find a way to get what you want without overpaying. I love that. That's yeah, that's great. Um, let us all know again, like uh, your Twitter name and your uh, eBay store. I don't know how easy those are give out on the radio, but let us know how people can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at baseball card underscore JS. I do a lot of giveaways, post a lot of the autographs and the stuff I went on eBay on there. And you, my eBay account is. Jojo IV, J O J O IV. I'm always adding new stuff, mostly Braves novelty items and just higher end baseball cards. I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll get some sales, uh, work some things out. Um, that'll be, That'd be great. 
I'm definitely going to check it out. Some Braves novelty items might uh, might be kind of interesting. I might take a look. Um, Joseph, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on today. Um, and we'll definitely certainly uh, keep in touch with us, and uh, maybe we'll bring you on again uh, once you're a superstar, uh, you know, major league marketer. How does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on today. No problem.